It's the Pete Talks Job Show. I'm your host, Peter Galt. Employers need people. People need jobs. The Pete Talks Job Show is all about helping employers connect directly with career seekers and helping career seekers find employers. Let's see who's hiring. Welcome to a special guest episode of the Pete Talks Job Show. We actually have with us today, we're going to be talking with Ted Bauer. Uh, Ted Bauer is a freelance ghostwriting and copywriter. Uh, he edits for a variety of clients in multiple industries, mostly smaller and solopreneur, although some enterprises here and there. His goal is to help you understand what content you need, the voice it should be in, and how to distribute it that your content that is basically he wants to help you solve problems and ensure you're not pumping more generic drivel into the digital noise void sound good uh, get in touch with him and you'll get to learn how to do that here shortly i met ted on linkedin and i've enjoyed a lot of his posts a lot of his articles and wanted to talk with him because he's written some articles uh, very much tied in to corporate structures and we're going to go ahead and give him a call here real quick good morning or actually good afternoon i suppose is this ted yep that's me all right hey ted thanks for giving me a call back here uh we're, re we're recording here for the pete talks job show thank you very much for joining me today i know we've gone back and forth over LinkedIn quite a lot. This is the first time I think we've actually ever talked, though. Yeah, it's the first time we probably had an actual in, well, it's not in person, but it's <laughs> the first time we've had like a, a, a voice conversation at the very least, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, I'm glad you joined us. I've talked a little bit about you and I let everybody know how you support your clients primarily as a writer, providing freelance, ghostwriting, copywriting, you know, giving your clients something of a written voice for their content. I really like how you listed that on your LinkedIn or wrote it on your LinkedIn profile about helping them avoid putting more drivel out there. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> we see yeah. enough drivel. So, but so that we get to know you a little bit better, would you please tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess condensed version of it is, uh, today, the day we're recording this, actually my birthday. So that's, that's vaguely interesting. I guess at some level, um, so I, guess oh, it's, I it's awesomely interesting and happy birthday. Congratulations. Gracias. I made it one more year. Absolutely. So, uh, Another year post womb. Yeah, so I just turned 38, so I guess I've been in the working world for like 15, 16 years. And the bulk of the time, I was at ESPN, but I've worked a lot of different places, mostly like media, communications, marketing, writing type stuff. And I, some of what we're going to talk about in this conversation is just like... I've had so many bad bosses or like low priority type experiences that I feel like that kind of influences a lot of how I write right now. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like my ethos and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that well, in the actually, next 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I would like to. In, in fact, that kind of leads right in because again, you know, I've followed quite a few of your articles and your posts on LinkedIn. I always enjoy them. You, you've got a great sense of humor, at least 
that's how I interpret it. That's you know, a lot of what you write makes me chuckle, and and I happily respond sometimes and uh, on your post there. Uh, but you do seem to have a very keen sense of what employers often do wrong, especially during the recruiting and hiring process, which. You know, your insight really does pertain and is very germane to the Petox Job Show in that respect. Uh, why don't you give a little bit more information on how you develop that insight? Sure. So, I mean, I guess the A number one reason is like I've been unemployed probably like two, three times in my adult life and just going through those processes, you see all the flaws in them. You kind of want to like reach out and grab people and say, shouldn't this be easier or more efficient or whatever so that's like kind of the uh the in-person in your face level deal but then after i had probably when i was about 30 31 i went to university of minnesota and got this master's in org development so like probably not the best idea because i have a bunch of debt permit and I don't really technically work in org development, although I do some, a lot of freelance in that space. So I guess it worked out in that way. Okay. Um, but like when I was 30, 31, I kind of like wanted to be a consultant and like fly around and fix all this stuff that people are doing poorly. And as I got older, I feel like that had less value to me. But I would say it's a combination of just like having worked at or contracted for a lot of companies and seeing some of their internal flaws um, in terms of those processes and then having been a job seeker applicant at different stages of my adult life and seeing some of the issues therein. I feel like that's kind of the combo there where that's where my interest in it is peaked because like, okay, at the absolute bottom line level, um, if you live in a first world country, an advanced capitalism, like unless you have a trust fund or some other situation, like unfortunately, you absolutely need to have a job to make money and uh, and like, you know, live your life. And, you know, you can have an expensive house and that's cool. That can rise in value. But like you need a baseline salary or some form of compensation. And so, like, despite the fact that so many people need this, it feels like the process by which we get people to there is like super flawed and that feels like a major hassle not hassle like a major problem for organizations you know mm -hmm. i well i agree and that really does lead into my next question actually so you know pertaining to the recruiting process and everything you've seen everything you've been through Starting with identifying the right candidates for their roles, how could employers really improve so we have a much better process for what you just right. talked about? Okay, so the first thing I would say that I feel like I've only thought about in the last year is like you kind of need to get the building blocks right. And I feel like a lot of employers don't do that. So what I mean by that is so many places that I've worked or done contracts for, they give headcount based on like some manager, i.e. hiring manager, who his team or her team is insanely busy. And so they assume like, I need more bodies instead of like, I could reposition this work differently or figure something out internally. So, so much time, so many times you see like headcount given based on 
okay, I need bodies or whatever. So like job design, job role design is one step and then job descriptions is a second step. So it's like, I feel like those are the building blocks. People rush to this level of like, oh, we need a strong employer brand. We need like um, some strong like recruiting branding. We need to be better at recruiting emails. That's all relevant and you should aim and aspire for those things. But like get the building blocks right. It's like babies out of the womb. They're not trying to like run like a 400 meter race and like jump 28 feet when they're like a year old so it's like a lot of these companies like they're very nascent in terms of even understanding this stuff which is sad because it's almost 2019 when we're taping this but it's like just get the building blocks right like write a job description that makes sense explains what the person would do even explains where the role could evolve to in three to five years because people do want to know that stuff that's important like if you're in your late 20s and you have a significant other and you're like making decisions about housing and kids or whatever like you want to know where a role could evolve to in like three to five years and i've seen like maybe one job description in my life that had that so do the basic stuff right before you try to do the advanced level stuff which is like more significant employer brand or whatever and i feel like that's kind of like the biggest thing or the easiest like short-term solution that people could undertake you know yeah i i agree with you in fact throughout my career i've I've been in HR and in staffing, and I do an enormous amount of HR consulting in addition to the the show and, and my voiceover career and such. But what you just hit on, uh, job descriptions that actually lay out the future of the role yep. and potential growth, you never see that. Never see them. Never yep. see that. Man, can I, 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 let me just I'll interject a personal story here quickly, if that's cool. Absolutely. Okay, so the last full-time, like, true full-time job I had when I first moved to Texas, where I live now, is, like, I came down. I was living in Minneapolis at the time I was applying for this job or talking to them. And I came down, and I had lunch. Like, I had a couple interviews. I had lunch with, like, the SVP and the VP of this department, right? And it was like, we talked about this role and like, quote unquote, how strategic it would be and all this bullshit. And it was like, literally, I got, I took the job offer, like it was a decent job offer. I didn't think, like I had lived in Texas when I was younger, but I didn't think I would come back or whatever. I took the job offer and like, I would say I got onboarded and I'm like on day three or four of having that job. I was based in Texas. I realized that there was a team in Seattle that did like the exact same shit that I did. And like they reported through a different structure, but like they were the main team for like my like digital content type role. But like I wasn't aligned with them. I had a different boss. And it was just like the whole thing about the role design and like how the job description was framed up and even that discussion just felt like a big lie almost, you know? So it was like, that was like one of those things where I'm always like, just be clear with somebody about like, okay, this is their life. Like most of us in the 
lower middle class, middle class, whatever, however you want to define brackets, most of us don't have liquidity events where like we found a company and we sell it to Google or whatever. So most of us have our salary and our homes and like a couple other assets. So it's like the salary portion of it is important. The job portion of it is important. So like explain to me if I stay here and I do a good job for five years, like what's that going to do for me? Like, I know things can change. I know your business model might change your revenue might erode. I get all that, but like, I've never seen like a job description or a transparent job discussion that says like, okay, if you're really good here and you're like doing what we need you to do, like this is where you can evolve to. And that feels like a huge flaw to me, you know? It, it is actually. And it's one that I've never had anybody point out. And, and I've been, I, I've been in the career of, geez, I've been in HR and associated with HR and HR roles since 93. And it's, and I'm, I'm essentially at this point in my life, kind of weaning away and, and into a different career path, but you're not wrong. And in fact, in looking at your personal story there, and observing what you've described of that hiring process, you know, looking at the actual hiring process, what are a few things that you've uh, you think that in that process that employers could do much more efficiently? I would say, like, okay, so again, uh, one of the big things is just like be better about. Just be better about job description, understanding the job role, where it could evolve to. And then I would say, like, another big thing that we don't talk about enough is there's kind of like this belief in the recruiting ecosystem. It feels like sometimes at a lot of companies that I've seen that, like, tech is going to save you in some respect. Tech should be a complement to what you're trying to do. So, like, Absolutely. I... Okay, I met a, I met, I was at a trade show sometime in 2018, and I met some guy from Tampa, Florida, that's like a third party recruiting, so like outsource recruiting, and he was telling me that his firm has this lady that's doing like over $2 million a year in terms of being able to bill clients, and everybody was confused because she doesn't ever seem to fill open requisitions from clients and then he realized like it took him too long probably for the guy that leads this organization but he realized that like she like takes people to lunch throughout the tampa st petersburg area she like uh if she finds like a good coder or like personalization expert she like takes them to happy hour or whatever so she has this proactive pipeline mm -hmm. so before a rec or like when a requisition is about to be developed for one of their clients like she already knows who can fill it so she can fill it without them posting it or like i guess haphazardly posting it or whatever so i feel like that's the thing that recruiting misses sometimes is that we go way too far towards technology thinking that's some type of savior but it's like it's still that's still a human to human profession so like good recruiters should be like understanding their local market understanding the market they play in or the companies they play in and like reaching out and like trying to build relationships with those people instead of like otherwise you're just doing like post and pray you know and like you're never gonna get really good people through 
post and pray. Like, it doesn't make any sense because you get 230 resumes in, like, you have no idea. Even if you have some great AI solution or whatever, that's still, at this stage, just, like, keyword matching. Like, you don't necessarily have any idea, like, this person's better than that person or whatever. It's just based on what's on their resume. So I feel like job design, job role design, like, understanding that stuff, writing better job descriptions, and then, like, try to use technology to free up the task work or the scheduling side of a recruiter's life so that they can go and actually build more relationships because then i feel like they're going to fill jobs better you know you you're absolutely right you're hitting kind of an industry secret on the head really really good recruiters do exactly what you just described the ones that are very successful i mean i've been doing this for a long time myself you know your market you know where you're going to source people you know who to listen for who to talk to and then you create those relationships so again you have people to draw from however on the on the other side of that you know i love i love you called it post and uh, post and pray (laughs) that's that's i love that that's really good post and pray it's most recruiting is done in a completely reactionary mode and most employers they wait until they perceive this need to say okay we got to have this person fill this role right now who do you you know let's go let's go let's go well the time to let's go let's let's go let's go for a recruiter was three months ago yep i agree 100 percent it, it was, and I try and stress that with the clients that I serve, because I still do recruiting on a retainer basis, uh, right. and HR on a retainer basis for some of the clients that I serve. But I mean, I've got a few right now who are, you know, very much in a hurry up, let's go, let's go mode. But we just restart. We just started recruiting a few weeks ago, and right. and by I mean literally like October fifteenth on some of their projects, and again it's well I know you want them now. But again, when we were talking about this, the best time to start recruiting for now is always three to four months ago. And I, I was reading online one of your articles, your, your yeah. article titled Six Things a Leader Should Actually Be Doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it was a, it's a good article. Six Things a Leader Should Actually Be Doing. And it lists number three as recruit, develop, and reward a team of great people to carry out the strategy. Now, in your view, how would true leaders actually accomplish that? Okay, well, I think the first thing is you got to kind of like what I've never seen at any place I've worked is you got to, okay, this is going to probably be a little bit mildly controversial, but you got to align the strategy to the execution in some way. Cause like, I think there's a lot of stuff right now around like thought leadership or whatever, where people say meaning and purpose are more important than salary or blah, blah, blah. Like that is not true. Okay. No, you still not. need to make, <laughs> yeah, you still need to make money to buy stuff. And like, if you have children and you have a mortgage or whatever, okay. So, you need to make money but the thing is is like there's no contract anywhere anything you sign with a company they never sign a contract that says they're going to provide you with purpose but the leaders in that organization whatever size it is should be helping you connect like okay this is our main goal and probably that's a monetary goal if it's a for-profit but like this is our main goal and this is how your work 
helps with that so there should be a connection between like this is our goal this is our strategy and a lot of people confuse strategy with like operations and i get that but like there should be some connection between the work that you do and what the the people at the top think about so that's like the first thing that i think organizations get wrong is like just provide some type of clear link between okay i come in on a tuesday morning and i have these 10 tasks like how do these tasks influence like what the main people are thinking about or working on right Mm -hmm. so um okay so that's the first thing the second thing is i kind of touched on this a second ago but like uh, there's so much confusion about what strategy is and people think it's like a lot of people like say their goal is a like a goal is a strategy or an operational tactic is a strategy so like get more clarity on what strategy actually is I feel like that would be helpful to uh, leaders and employees alike and the third thing is like this goes back to the tech thing we were talking about before a lot of people buy software suites for like employee listening, employee surveys, employee feedback. It's like those are good and I get they help you scale the idea if you have a lot of employees, but like just empower your managers, like free up time on their calendars, take away meetings so that they can go like talk to employees and figure out what's happening in the business, especially like customer facing employees, because that's the biggest flaw of like how we structure white collar enterprise work to me is that you can make the most amount of money by being the furthest from the customer which is absurd because the customer is like buying stuff that drives your revenue so if you're a manager and you have 10 customer facing employees like community managers whatever the case may be the guy that runs twitter the girl that runs instagram blah 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 it's like you need to be out of meetings and going and talking to them in person or if they're remote, you know, like calling them or doing Skype or whatever and figuring out like, um, what, like, what are you seeing out in the world? What are you seeing in the business and stuff? And like, I just don't feel like we have mechanisms for that right now. And that kind of like a roads connection, but it also a road strategy, you know, it does. And it's amazing to hear you say that. And here's, Here's why that floors me a little bit. Back in the 80s, we had this, you know, totally new concept because, of course, tech was a big deal back then. And, oh, my gosh, when we first got terminals and then we got actual inter-office email and nobody wanted to leave their offices, we had this big concept start coming around to get right at what you're talking about. It was called MBWA, which stood for manage by walking around (laughs) yeah this is good i mean this is back in the 80s we're talking 30 some odd years ago about a concept that was just all the buzz in corporate environments the whole idea was getting exactly what you just talked about talked about is getting out from behind your desk going out talking to your employees learning what they're discovering from your actual customers you know you're from your customer facing employees and coming back and actually acting on that and that got lost in the in the muck and mire and now through all this re-evolution here we are you and i having a very similar conversation to you know how incredibly insightful it is 
to get back to something that someone talked about back in the 80s and it's not wrong that kind of stuff actually works not all old stuff works but the basic concepts do work and i'm i'm it's cool to hear you talk about that uh, as somebody who's you know 15 years into the workforce and i'm actually at the point in my life where i'm looking at i might if i'm lucky have 15 years left in the workforce right right so, well, there's been there's been studies too, like even in the last year, and obviously you can find a study to prove anything, but like there's been studies that if you look at like what employees are mostly concerned about, it's not what their managers do, it's what their managers don't do. Yeah. So it's like absentee stuff. So like I okay, I worked at I'll just call them out. Hopefully, I can't get sued for this or whatever. But like, yeah, I'll probably at, get a cease and desist letter before you hear anything. Yeah. So like, I got I worked for McKesson for like thirteen weeks, fifteen weeks, in like about five, six summers ago, and I was doing like rotational projects for them, right? So I had a set manager, even though I was like kind of crisscrossing departments. I had a set manager for those 15 weeks and it was like the first day i showed up that summer she basically told me like okay these are the days i'm gonna be out <laughs> so it was like let's say six or seven of the 15 weeks right and then it was like the days that we overlapped when we were both in office like she would never talk to me like never come by this little office they gave me blah 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 so it's like i always think about that it's like mckesson is like they make I think the year I worked for them, they made $54 billion, which is like an insane amount of money. And it's like, just think about, they're making that much money while they have managers. And she had like full-time direct reports too. And some of them at happy hours and stuff would tell me the same stuff. So it's like, you're just like, you're almost making money by accident or like maybe the focus is product or service because you got line managers that aren't talking to anybody. And it's like, I don't understand how you advance the business if somebody with 10 direct reports is avoiding all 10 of those people throughout the week, month, quarter, year, whatever. So it's like, wow. that to me is a huge thing with business that we get wrong is that you look at any number of like, reputable studies like Deloitte Bain level stuff employees are always complaining about stuff their managers don't do like don't talk to them don't engage with them don't try to learn about their life outside of work and I get that we think there's a thick line between work and personal but there's really not like <laughs> um there's a University of Washington study from like 2016 that like 92% of the reasons that employees leave a job and marriages and are overlapping so like if you list like the 18 most common reasons that marriages and and the 18 most common reasons that an employee leaves a job is a 92 percent overlap so there's not like as big or as thick of a line between our work life and our personal life as we want to believe so it's like i don't need to be friends with you if you're my boss but like come by and like ask me how stuff is going like how i feel about workload where i am on stuff and like this applies to any silo but like definitely recruiting and stuff because it's like those are people that are staffing your organization or sourcing like the next wave of talent for your organization. So like managers in that 
functional area have to be like proactive and talking to their recruiters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Ted, I wish I had the time to keep going and going. I'm really enjoying this. Maybe we can do this again sometime. Hopefully you've enjoyed it too. Oh, for sure, man. Great, great. Well, I really appreciate you talking with us. Thank you very much. Now, if there is somebody out there who's listening uh, or listen to this as it plays back over the podcast or over uh, 21.6, the network will air, uh, how would they learn more about you? How are they going to reach out to you? How would they, what's the best way to, to get in touch with you? Sure. So my, uh, my Twitter is uh, at Ted Bauer. That's B-A-U-E-R uh, 2003. And uh, you can search Edward or Ted Bauer on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty active there too. I post a lot there. And uh, my uh, my uh, email. I mean, I'll just throw that out there. It's at T E D B A U E R. So Ted Bauer 2003 at Gmail. And uh, my blog, which is like kind of my main day to day avenue, is. Uh, uh, the context of things.com and you can find those links on any of the things I just mentioned too. Awesome. Awesome. Ted, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and happy birthday. Okay. Gracias, man. I appreciate your time too. All right. Take care, bub. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed talking with Ted. And again, actually, uh, what we'll do is uh, when this gets post for, posted for the podcast, I'll be sure and include some links uh, there that people can reach out to Ted on on his Twitter and LinkedIn and also to his, uh, I'll include his Gmail address. And we'll also get uh, his, oh, his uh, blog link out there too so that was a great conversation reach out to ted learn more about him what he does and what he can do for you and your organization the pete talks job show is a syndicated podcast reaching out to well over 100,000 weekly listeners it's amazing streaming on itunes apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, radio public stitcher and more the show also airs on 21 6 the net internet radio every monday tuesday and wednesday at 9 a.m central 216thenet.com employers sponsor your job listings for just a small fee send a note to pete talks jobs at gmail.com